Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. goals hello everybody and welcome back to the forza italian football podcast it's been a good weekend of Serie A. it's been a very very good weekend of Serie A, depending on which team you support we've seen nine of the 10 games match day 18 is almost finished and we're here to talk about what we've seen so far i'm your host connor clancy i've got my best friend in the whole wide world kev fogzowski joining me kev say hello hmm. hello everybody <laughs> i've got a new uh got a new best friend no, i do that sometimes oh, <laughs> i've got my other best friend in the whole wide world vito doria vito say hello hello connor i've got a rude little child who interrupted with laughter you and burns fuck off <laughs> this is generally outside the first few minutes it's all right you've done it within 40 seconds i think <laughs> of the recording start burnsy how are you I'm okay. You've had a fantastic Everyone weekend. Won. Yeah, all all my extended teams in every way won their games. You thought you were coming Some on here big as the the big boy, didn't you? When when Roma women scored seven yesterday. Mm. What's better than <laughs> seven, Ewan? Look, it's been an incredible weekend of Serie A, so we should probably just dive right into it. The biggest game of I was going to say the weekend, probably of the season so far, happened on Friday evening. Juventus, with their perfect defence, lost 5-1 away at runaway leaders Napoli, who now have a 10-point lead at the top of Serie A. And the reason that lead is still so big is because Milan went all the way down to Salento and only drew 2-2 at Lecce. An unbelievable weekend for Napoli, and we thought it was going to be a really difficult one because we thought they might lose and Milan will probably win as well. But anyway, in the other games, Monza beat Cremonese 3-2, Inter scraped past Verona 1-0, Sassuolo lost 2-0 at home to Lazio, Torino lost 1-0, deservedly, to Spezia, Bologna beat Udinese 2-1, Atalanta won 8-2 against Salernitana, 8-2. As many goals as Sampdoria have scored all season, Vito, I'm sorry. And Roma finished up Sunday night's action by beating Fiorentina 2-0. Empoli Samp is still to be played on Monday night. So maybe Vito Samp will score their ninth goal of the season. Yeah, they've got a game they in hand. They have a game in hand. <laughs> um, I don't think they're going to make it any more respectable though. Because even if they score one goal tomorrow... They've still only scored nine in 18 matches, so it's still not yeah, great. They essentially need to win 9 nil. Yes, <laughs> yes, they do. They very much do. But look, we've got to just go straight to Friday's game, don't we? Because, oh my God, you and we were in contact throughout this game. It seemed like Napoli were going to storm to a big win early on when Victor Osiman put them one up after... What was it, a quarter of an hour? Then Kvicha Kvaratskhelia scored. 
and it looked like they were going to cruise, but then Di Maria hit them back straight away. And it wasn't until the second half that they just ran riot. But we've had a few days to process this now. Have you been able to? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's still... Oh, it, it was it was brilliant to watch, but I, I still didn't feel like Napoli were battering them until it got to 4-1. Just because, even though they were, just because of that feeling you get with Juve and the way that Di, Di Maria had been, when he had that shot in the first half where Juve showed pretty much nothing, and then he, he just made himself half a yard, hit this shot, and it pinged off the top of the crossbar, and it, it, was, it was just a perfect reminder that Di Maria could mm. do that to anyone, and it could have easily scored, and in the end he did score. Um, and even at 3-1, it was like, okay, brilliant, but Di Maria and others can just score. Juve do find a way, generally speaking, and Napoli just found this extra gear, and it was they, they, they were just thrilling. Ozyman and Kvalitskelia were just absolutely incredible. They, It was like a greatest hits game for this first half of the season. We'll get on to the further Jurassic Park references about extinction of old styles in just a moment, you and let's not rush into it with the with the quotes of things finding a way. But Napoli were just irresistible veto. Like when they're on it, there's nobody in Europe as good to watch as them. And they just put on a real show and it was great to see. It sure was great to see, and in most of these games, they've played well, and it doesn't really matter about the quality of the opponent. They've showed that against uh, so-called weaker sides and even stronger clubs that they can dismantle them in any way possible. They look to be the more complete out of all the Serie A teams, and we've seen that on uh, all fronts, that even in Europe, they've performed comprehensively too. And to have players like Ossiman and Kavaratskelia turning it on against a team like Juventus, it really is a, a great thrill. It reminds me of um, a Max Allegri quote from a few years ago. He said that if you want entertainment, you're better off going to a circus. At the Maradona, it was clear to see that um, Juve looked like the clowns and Napoli pulled their <laughs> pants down. You're absolutely right. It was... It was just a show, wasn't it? Genuine, just entertainment for 90 minutes. Kevin, it was the kind of game that I reckon if you didn't like football, but you sat down and watched it, you'd think, oh, I've, why have I not been watching this sport? Because this is brilliant. And there's something about the Maradona, isn't there? Formerly the San Paolo, that when Napoli are playing well, when Napoli are beating a big team, especially when they're beating Juventus, and there's that sense of, oh, something big could be happening here. It is a little bit different to most other venues. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think some people that, that follow football, maybe not Italian football, have sort of penned Napoli down on list of potential venues they want to go to in the next couple of years now. And um, I was unlucky enough to be in attendance when Napoli put in a sort of a similar performance earlier in the season against, <laughs> against Liverpool in the Champions League. And also the the, um, the the Maradona sort of did what it did, you know, with with the atmosphere and the intensity that they sort of transmit down onto the players. Now, as the season's gone on, that that victory over 
the English side looks sort of less, uh, not as good as maybe to, to this, this weekend's where Juventus were a sort of a side in form and sort of defensively resolute. And for them to sort of go and just tear them apart was just, it, it left you open mouthed at times. Like you weren't, you know, we know what they can do, but, but Juventus have been so sort of tight at the back recently that it just sort of left me a, a little shocked. And they were, they were lucky to sort of get that consolation that came just before half time, but it, it possibly focused Napoli to sort of go out and just do it, you know, do the same thing the second half and sort of blow them away. Who impressed you the most? Because we've mentioned Kvaratskhelia, we've mentioned Ossiman, both brilliant. Lobotka has just been so good all season long. They were close enough to perfect. Is is there any one individual that you think deserves special recognition? For this game in particular, I think Ossiman. Yeah, he 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 led from the front. You know, it's a an old, a much used um, phrase, but because obviously I, I I tend to do the the player of the week, and it, it was going to be a toss up to him and him and Cravatella. Uh, but uh, you know, Osman was just there right from the front. He got the goal. Yeah, you know, the reactions for that first goal, because you know you, you've got there's a lot of the game to play. You know, you can be not necessarily off it. But you know, to to react that quickly, fourteen minutes in, got the heads, you know, get them, get them on the roll, and then just was just driving and driving and driving, and uh, yeah, he certainly certainly a standout, <laughs> almost for them this season. But Georgian is being right up. Yeah, there. there's been a few, hasn't there, Brenzi? There was something special about. Was it the fourth goal, Ossiman second, the celebration for that, where it was like that was the moment where they realised, oh, this is. This is done now. They're rubbish. They're not getting anywhere near us because they all just went behind the the goal towards the curva and the way they approached it, they weren't racing towards the fans. Ossiman was in control of it all and he just started slowing down as if he was like, I'm going to take this in. And then there was even like a little stool, presumably for a steward or a photographer, and he just sat down on that for a little bit and was just looking up at everyone losing their heads. I thought that was the moment of the match and could go on to be one of those season defining moments that we look back at, but it was just breathtaking. I think it's, it's rare for basically everyone involved in a game anywhere to be on exactly the same page at one moment. <laughs> and that goal was it because like, like I said before, even at three, one, there was still that feeling that you could get back into it any minute. Um, but then the fourth goal goes in and all the players, all the fans, uh, everyone watching, including us. Um, I'm pretty sure the BT commentator, I think it was Tony Dorigo, said as soon as that went in, he was like, he said something like, thank you very much, points mm. sealed sort of thing. It, everyone just felt the exact same thing, <laughs> the exact same moment. And obviously, like I say, Os- Osman did as well. And it was it was very, very lovely. You said, uh, you know, that realisation that, that Juve were done and they're not getting anywhere near them. You know, that's not just... Friday night, that feels like the total now. And there'll be some people that, again, sort of fair weather fans of Serie A that have kind of think Juventus are on the slide because they've not won the last two totals. The last few weeks have probably put Juventus as Napoli's biggest challengers and the only side that looked like they were going to not necessarily build some momentum, but keep sort of just keeping keeping pace with them because of how Inter and Milan have performed. And this was like, wow, this was a huge victory over arguably, and, you know, arguably was doing some heavy lifting there, but arguably their biggest total rivals. You've brought it there, Kev. 
a 10 point gap is huge. Like it, it is huge. And it's very hard to see a team, any team that have built up a 10 point gap, it's hard to see them being capable of losing it. Like we're halfway through the season now, bar one match. It's really difficult to see how Napoli could manage to <laughs> blow it so badly. But allow me, if they start to slip up and, and the gap closes by five points, I just think that's when Napoli start to maybe shift a little bit more uncomfortably in their seats. And I don't know. I just, I don't think it's done. I think Napoli will win it, but I don't think it'll be a cruise to the finish line. Ewan? Kind of agreeing with you in the sense that what I was going to say is while that's a lot of points and Juve may have been battered in this individual game, they've shown over the last few weeks that I'm not convinced, apart from possibly Napoli, but you know I think we all expect there to be some sort of derby moments mm. later in the season and some surprising results. No one else is better than Juve seemingly at dispatching of the smaller teams. Like They, they may do it with late goals and stuff, but they do seem to just hoover up the results. Certainly in the last, what, three months, you know, three months in which games have happened. Um, and I don't think that will necessarily change even off the back of getting battered by Napoli. No, I agree. I don't think, I don't think this is going to sort of see a snowball effect on, at Juve. I can fully, I could fully see them going and winning the next six games, you know, as, as tightly as they have. But with Napoli, the only, the only way I see them slipping up is if they get overconfident, but, you know, plus, not, not just the overconfidence, Champions League run. Because if they then think that they, you know, if they try and fight on two fronts and, 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 you know, consciously or subconsciously think, you know, take a foot off the gas in Syria because, you know, we, we don't, we know we've got that, we've got that buffer of those 10 points or whatever it will be when the Champions League really gets into that stage where you've got quarters and then semis within about sort of five weeks of each other. Because you know, the last sixteen is quite spread, you know, spread out over weeks that they could cope with. Kev, you're confident that Juventus can go and win their next six. Their next game is against a team who have just scored eight goals. Well, yeah, yeah. but no, but I, I, I could still see them doing it. That's the that's the mad thing. Juventus concede five, Atalanta score eight, and then they go and win one nil. But you know, it's it's possible if you just extract this result from their their previous performances. It's also worth saying when Napoli with the Champions League, like Kev's saying, they've got Eintracht Frankfurt in the next round, which is essentially the draw that they wanted. That's no disrespect to Frankfurt, they're very good, but they could have got a much harder team to play against. Like they, they should, based on their performances, they should get into the quarterfinals. And so so there's, it off. there's in theory another four. Bin it off, and Napoli. It won't bin that off. If if it was the Europa League, they might bin it off. off. But they're not binning that Milan off. Milan binned off the Champions League last year and won the title. Napoli, stop it. Forget about the Champions Who's, League. Um, Just get knocked out. Who have Juve got in the Europa, he says, as he quickly tries to find out. You're trying himself. to make it seem as if you're subtly doing it as well. We can hear Nonsense. not only the, the keyboard, but the whole yeah, table nonce. being banged because of your microphone <laughs> placement. But... Um, Juve should get through, but look, we don't. Like, let's not talk about Juve. They're the most dull team in the world. They depress me to talk about them. We're having a great time. They've got nonce. We're having a. Let's talk about. We're having a. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I have to edit that out because <laughs> because what you've said is technically not true. There are other things yeah. that we can say. So thanks for giving me that work him, to do. I'm so annoyed that you've done that because you know the working day I've had today and you know I'm up tomorrow morning as well. I'm fuming. Um, Oh, doesn't like getting up early Bless we've him. got to move on <laughs> not after like a 13 hour day to be honest but <laughs> it would have been a 13 hour if I didn't have to do any editing to this podcast but I'm starting to see that I might have a fair bit of editing to do if you keep this up um, the reason I think we can make Napoli such strong favourites now is not only because they've hammered Juventus but because Ovito, everyone else looks rubbish like Inter scraped past Verona having just about beating a Parma side who lost 4-0 at Bari following that one in midweek. Milan dropped points again away at Lecce this time. Nobody looks capable of actually winning the league. No, as you just mentioned, the big three, they're struggling to win comprehensively and their squads have their share of weak points. Like I said, Napoli looks a lot more balanced than those three sides. And then you can only wonder if Atalanta and the two Roman-based clubs can mount a late push for a Champions League spot. So even if they can't challenge for the title, they can at least make the race for the remaining Champions League spots a lot more interesting. Is there a chance that we end up with like the titles done by March and then we have Milan, Inter, Juve, Atalanta, the two Roman clubs all just fighting for the three remaining Champions League places. Is that going to be where we're focusing on at the end of the season, do you think, Vito? I think it's a great possibility because the sides below Napoli have these consistency issues. They might look good on their day or they might do enough to win some games, but to put a good run together and to win comprehensively, so far, most of the other sides fighting for Europe aren't showing that. No, you're dead right. Where should we go next? Uh, we'll go to what where the games have just finished this evening. Roma beat Fiorentina 2-0. You and I say Roma beat Fiorentina 2-0. Paolo Dybala beat Fiorentina 2-0. Paolo Dybala and Dodo beat Fiorentina 2-0. There's a natural selection just... joke there, isn't there? Because if it, you're so um... stupid to get yourself sent off for two ridiculous yellow cards in the first half. Like... You've take that's just taken care of. Yeah, I mean, if you're not all that far from the halfway line, you decide on a yellow to fly in <laughs> a loose ball <laughs> against a very quick player. Yeah, you're a bit. Daft. Even the first yellow um, was silly, though. Yeah, the first yellow was. It, it was silly, sort of, with the hindsight of the fact that he got the next one. Um, it was the sort of thing that happens all the time. I suppose it didn't need to be done that early in the game. He pulled Zaleski back because he was about to dribble away um not not in a massively dangerous area um but i mean for, for, for roma it feels like saves every week now but like three points which is great you know lazio won into one so they needed to win but it it again wasn't a brilliant performance there wasn't a lot to shout pathetic about. look at you celebrating three points celebrating three <laughs> pathetic little points they're massive points nah. Bigger than your ones. Eight goals. Eight <laughs> goals, Ewan. Still three points, isn't it? <laughs> Eight goals. <laughs> that need, that need Eight goals. 
I'm just going to keep saying eight goals at least ten more times before this podcast ends. You want to go there instead? Get out of your system. No, no I want to build up to it. That's part of the fun, isn't it? Um, but uh, Roma are just a little bit funny, aren't they? Um, there's just something in the water in the capital because Lazio are also a little bit funny. They won by the same scoreline. They went away to Sassuolo. I was at this one, 2-0. And I'm not going to, for a minute, say that Lazio didn't deserve to win. But this is just one of those weird matches where either team could have won it and you wouldn't have really had much of an argument against it, Kev. As you were there, because I only saw the highlights, did Felipe Anson pump two bowls like over the over the stand? Because he seemed to like have it one either half where he just sort of slashed at a volley and it seemed to go so high and never come back down again. Do you know what? I, I can't remember that, but there was an incident in the first half, in the first few minutes, which got me quite excited because the ball went higher than my head. And I don't know if anyone listening has ever been to the Mape Stadium. And if you've ever sat up in the back row, it's quite a high one. And the ball never usually goes above you there. It never even gets up that high. But someone just put one up in the air and I was looking up at it. And it was a really strange moment. I can't think if Philip Anderson put any out of the ground. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bet it was Anderson. I was gonna say, it sounds like Domenico, it was, yeah. Domenico Berardi <laughs> did one where he took a short corner and it went back to him, and he tried to like whip it in really quickly, and it just it went badly wrong. Like it just went. Up. He, he's got that. Yeah, he's locker. Does. I feel like I can picture him yeah. doing that quite a lot, just because of the way that he I, tries to deliver. I cross. think he does it at least once every other week. Honestly, yeah. I love him, but it, I, yeah, it, it just wasn't his day today. But, it's a great technique when it comes off, but when it doesn't, that happens. <laughs> I, I, su- I suspect whoever was putting the footage together for the highlights was sort of wanting to build the uh, the suspense when Anderson went through at the end to sort of score his goal. You know, you'd seen him sort of shank these mm. two shots earlier in the footage, footage so you sort of, you know, weren't sure if he was going to score at the end if he didn't know the goal scorers, obviously. Lovely finish, that. Oh, I know one of the ones. Go on. I know one of the ones you mean. It was, well, when would it have been? Not that far into the first half when mm. they, they had a good move and it mm. came to him at the back post. Yeah. And it, it, he just completely skewed. I remember that now because everybody looked at him as if to say, what have you done that for? Like, look at us all standing here. Why didn't you pass it to us? That was more of a slice, though, than mm. skied. It seemed to go high, but he went for power when he it, it was, it was, it was completely slice. unnecessary because he could have just, like you say, side footed it back across the goal, even just tried to side foot it in. But yeah, it was a funny yeah. one. But his his goal was very nice. Um, Zakanya got the opener from the penalty spot in the first half, which Stonewall penalty. There was a weird incident before it though that I still don't really know what happened because there's a lot of angles that make it really clear that the ball hit his hand. And then there's one angle where it doesn't hit his hand, but it might also hit his hand in that angle. It's just not definitive. It was a weird incident with, with Romagnoli after a Berardi header. Um, the the discourse online has been anybody who supports Lazio is furious at the suggestion that it might have been a handball. And then everybody who doesn't support Lazio is a bit confused and honest and not sure about what happened. So I think I'll side with them because they're not maniacs. But anyway, on we go. We, I'm, I'm a bit concerned, to be honest with you guys, because going to the match today, the Lazio fans were impressive in their in their numbers and in their volume. 
So a couple of Lazio fan videos went up. We got quite a few Lazio fan followers today. And they... Yeah, I spotted they, that. What have you done? <laughs> they are usually the fucking worst, honestly. <laughs> like, not, not even for the reasons you're thinking automatically, listeners. They're just an insufferable bunch. And to be fair, I would put Milan, Roma into that category as well. And... Fiorentina used to be like that, but I think all of their fans have just given up on life in the last few years, so they don't really, they're not as vocal anymore. But I'm really getting increasingly worried for Sassuolo Vito, and I just can't stop thinking about Chicho Caputo because their their problems kind of began when he was sold last season. He was sold to pave the way for Raspadori and Scamacca to come into the team and carry it for a couple of years. Both of them ended up leaving after a year. And Caputo's move to Sampdoria didn't go well. So he's now at Empoli. And Sassuolo are still just there missing him. I, I just wish he came back to Sassuolo this summer. It does seem that Sassuolo's attack looks rather toothless. Even with Berardi returning from injury, they don't have the same cutting edge up front as they did last season or in the previous years. I just think that also with the addition of Pinamonti, he hasn't really clicked at all. I thought that Empoli, he was decent without being outstanding, but at this stage, it doesn't look like he's capable of going up another gear or taking his game to the next level. It's a real pity because you watch Sassuolo and you still get that same satisfaction. You you, you watch them and you think, "These these are a lovely team to watch. Like If you don't support them, they're great. They're so easy on the eye. They've got players like Berardi, Maxim Lopez, Davide Fratesi, who can just just do things in every game that you think, yeah, I could watch you every single week and, and I wouldn't get bored of it. But they are just missing something. And I do think it is just that number nine who just doesn't do much else but score goals. The the new forward who they got in the summer, Agustin Alvarez, lovely player with his feet. But there's just, again... He he never feels like a goal threat. He's lovely when he comes deep and he's getting involved with a link-up play with all the others, but uh, I don't know. I am starting to get really worried about Sassuolo and I think it might be time where they probably will pull the trigger on Dionysi at some point, but I don't think they necessarily should because I don't think he's the problem. I think he's done a decent job there replacing the Derby. And if they had a striker, I think they'd be so much better off. But I am, unfortunately, kind of just counting down the days now because I do expect Dionysi to be given his marching orders. Maybe it'll be a case of you you get him sacked, get in a Beppe Iacchini for six matches, he loses all six, and then you get Dionysi back and the players realise how much they, they don't want to work for someone like Beppe Iacchini because I'll tell you, when he took over at Parma, the... Uh, the players were having little secret meetings in secret parts of the city to talk about how much they hated him after training. So his methods are very much outdated. And I don't want them in Serie A because his hat annoys me. But let's move on, shall we? Oh, so as well as next few games, by the way. They play Atalanta, Napoli, and Milan in their next few. The next game's at Monza. They need to win that. If they don't win that, I think Sassuolo might get relegated. I don't want it to happen, though. Atalanta, guys. Atalanta. <laughs> right, meet your mics, everyone. 
Terrible, <laughs> terrible defending for those two goals. The first one yeah. was shambolic. The second one came when it was 7-1, so I think it's all right. Yeah, they keep conceding like that, and Juve definitely winning there. Well, no, I I think you're wrong to be honest, Kev, because Juve won't get into those positions for Atalanta to make the defensive mistakes. But I do think Juve beat Atalanta one 0 next week. Um, anyway, let's talk about it, shall we? Because this was like 2020 all over again. Atalanta were playing with a swagger; they're having a lovely time. Even Jeremy Bogas scored, and he doesn't score that often. I think that's only his second goal for Atalanta. Maybe his first in Serie A since joining. Like, do you want to know my favourite bit about this? Eight goals. No, but I'm sure you'll tell Eight me. goals, seven goal scorers. That's good. Hoyland scored. That was nice. Right. I know you're trying to be all cool, Burnsy, and I know this is very <laughs> much your thing. A team scored eight goals. Cop yourself on. It just makes me worry about the state of defending in the league. Yeah, if it makes it you feel, uh, <laughs> I, I, I saw I saw Liverpool score nine goals with eight goal scorers this season. If we're, yeah, and we didn't concede. How much did you spend on that squad, not Kev? This, not, not that this is a how competition. Much, how much did you spend on that squad? <laughs> did you have Adam Ola? Those big money seven million signing in the middle. It's all, it's all relevant to the strength of, you know, the spending of the league, isn't it? Yeah, it's, both, <laughs> both clubs were in the Champions League last season, so why aren't you necking? Um, He's clinging <laughs> on to the 9-0 now after what's going Yeah, <laughs> way in the league, Kev. Um, but I think this is quite I don't an even know, actually. <laughs> quite an interesting statistic, which is that since Gasparini's arrival at Atalanta in the beginning of 2016-17, Atalanta have scored at least seven goals in four matches, in four Serie A matches. Nobody else has done that more than once. Like, Milan did it once, Lazio did it once, Inter did it once, Napoli did it once, Juve did it once. Atalanta have done it four times. Like, Vito, it is ridiculous. Oh, it's just, you know, Atalanta doing Atalanta things. Atalanta doing Atalanta of two years ago things. They don't do this anymore. Well, that's that's right, but uh, they really turned back the clock against Salernitana, and uh, uh, this is uh, the Ladea squad that I think both the fans and the neutrals want to see. Oh, it's great, and and you know what? I'm going to their Coppa Italia game on Thursday in Spezia, and listeners, put money on Atalanta not scoring in that match, and <laughs> Spezia winning, because usually they're rotten at home. And Spezia have been a really difficult team for Atalanta to face in recent seasons. I mean, we saw, what was it, last week with the 2-2. Spezia went 2-0 up and should have been 3-0 up quite early on. But there you go. Atalanta winding back the clock briefly. In less fun news, um, Torino-Spezia. Now, this was odd. And I think I'm not alone in being very pleased to see that Spezia won this 1-0 at the Stadio Olimpico Grande Torino because before the match, Ewan, Torino invited a special guest, didn't they? It's amazing because like, it's the sort of thing, it should make me like, it should make me angry. That should be the feeling, but it's more baffling yeah. than it is angry. It's like, obviously special guests being at 
games and then have being plastered on social media is a thing that happens every single week all over the world, pretty much. Um, I mean, Torino aren't one of the most glamorous teams in Europe or anything like that, but is Kevin Spacey really the first person that they could get of everyone they would have tried to get or who appeared in the vicinity of Turin? Is is Kevin Spacey really... All right, we're going to have to go with Kevin because there's no one else around. Do you know what I think happens? Because I've got... I've not got a. I've not got an old smartphone. I think it's probably about four years old. But every time I put my name in, it auto it auto selects spaces the potential. No, it doesn't. Word. No, it doesn't. It does. <laughs> it's done it for years, and I don't know. That's because I say Stacy a lot, and it's mishearing me. And there's some sort of algorithm. There's some sort of there's some sort of Android sort of calculation it, going. It makes Pozelski spacey. <laughs> yeah, well, no, it doesn't make it does it because it sort of it gives you the options of what's coming next. Mm. And obviously, Pogjowski probably should come uh, up because I put it in a lot. But it says, the next word you might be looking for is spacey. You know, that's always the first one. And I've never used it. But maybe that's what happened. Somebody was so, so, so eager to do whatever they were doing, book their guest at Torino this weekend, that they sort of didn't, they also uh, so selected. They were trying to book you. Well, no, they were trying to book Kevin, you know, maybe a, maybe a Kevin Bacon, who is, who is a similar <laughs> similar sort of person I can see rocking up at a Serie A ground and having, having his, 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 you know, his, his, there with a shirt. But, you know, and it just, Google Google gave them Spacey. They got Spacey. They were embarrassed. They didn't want to, you know, Urbano Cairo didn't even know what Spacey had been allegedly um, in trouble for. And he was happy to stand there and pose with a shirt. He's still on trial. You might like, yeah. <laughs> like, but the more baffling thing, I, I don't know what the twenty six represents. There's a twenty six on the shirt. It's like, well, was he signing until twenty twenty six? Don't. There were some really obvious jokes being made about the number and how it was an incorrect choice of number or what the number might represent. That we're not gonna do on the podcast, but I will encourage anybody <laughs> listening to seek those out on Twitter. I think you might be onto something, Kev. It's the January transfer window, right? So maybe maybe Urbano was trying to get on the phone to Bologna and inquire about Kevin Bonifazzi to bring in a bit more defensive solidity. But then Spacey popped up and he ended up just doing that. All all, all lasagna for goals. Nobody wants Kevin lasagna, do they? There's plenty of Kevins out there, though, that are probably in a lot of uh, um, agents agent's little black book if they have those anymore you and just in case anybody isn't aware what's he been alleged of so he's um it, it's basically sexual offenses against other men in their 30s and 40s in the early 2000s um again allegedly 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 there um, was still there was a link that you sent London. us from two days ago, wasn't there? And the headline was Kevin Spacey tonight thing, is even is more sexual. <laughs> Seven more sexual offences as he appears via video link at court in London. Yeah, there's there's lots of it. He's not been proven guilty of anything, but still, he's not someone that you'd necessarily be outwardly fraternising with. Hold <laughs> off on it. On your social media. <laughs> yeah, at least for more, a bit. But he is more prolific than the Torino attack, so... <laughs> should, should I say allegedly again? That'll, that'll make it all right. <laughs> Vito, jump in and save this, please. <laughs> I've I've got a boring reason for why the number 
26 was selected and that's because his birthday is on July ah, 26 okay. so that would be why that's really boring not as an insult to you but that's a really <laughs> yeah. shit reason for them to have... sorry that's a rubbish reason it is as to why they've given him that shit yeah it says a lot about everybody involved just hold it the other way around can't he just have a shirt and hold it the other way around no he wants his name on it because yeah because a lot of people won't know who he is can't he just not be there yeah yeah that's that's the real issue reverse it is odd i like so i saw someone just tweeted one because trina put out i think two pictures and i just saw someone else tweet one of the pictures with spacey 26 on the back of a torino shirt and he's there with cairo and the daft little grin and i just thought that's that's a weird photo like i was just thinking why is this popping up on my timeline now i and then i was thinking i don't remember this happening like because i'm assuming this would have been in the last few years so i'd remember it like it didn't even cross my mind that it could possibly have happened now and then i just went on serena's twitter account and there it is and i thought wow okay and one of the it's still there by the way (laughs) of course it is because they're not they're not not checking their twitter are they it's Italy, you and oh, no, I feel well, like. I think I've had a rant about them before. Yeah, you know, they, they simply don't touch no. that account until until Kevin Spacey appears. <laughs> I think I think they should really like own it and like next next home game they get somebody. Don't finish this sentence. I don't know where you're going, <laughs> but I'm just gonna cut no, you. Just, you know, but why not? It can be like a theme for the rest of the campaign. You know, we just get people just get alleged that, sex offenders you know. in. No, just questionable individuals for other things. Well, I don't know. Where's Vladimir the woman Putin that threw that cat in the, in the UK? <laughs> Bernsey, that's not who I thought. I didn't go. hear what Kev said because all I heard was Bernsey going, "We're welcoming Vladimir Putin to the Grande Torino." <laughs> um, he, he said, "You remember the video of the woman who was walking along and there was a cat near a sat on a wall? Oh, and, and she, she put the picture yeah. and put it in the bin." Kev thinks that is on the same level as Kevin Spacey. <laughs> well, no, but sure I'm it is if you're a cat. questionable. People of less, um, yeah, questionable character. But for different reasons. Stop this now. I've yeah, already I've already got enough to yeah. to block yeah. out, to be honest. So yeah, I'm I'm with you, Vito, on that comment, but let's just move on, shall we? And pretend that that conversation isn't happening. Um what are the games where they're like do we have to talk about the Milan one? Like because it's kind of the same conversation that we've had about them on a few occasions. They just they're not the team they were last year. Tatu Rosano's rubbish Burnsy and they're not going to win the league with him shall we say that Lecce are doing a very decent let's job do that that's a better angle the minute they're unbeaten in five having won three of them they're up to 13th are they that high now and that crept up on me yeah um, Empoli can go above them if they beat Sam tomorrow but they're making a very good fist of things and that's nice for them because they're geographically different to, to everyone else so therefore it's nice yeah well it, you you kind of want them and Salernitana not to go down right just for that extra mm. I know this is something I've been banging on on banging on about on the pod for as long as I've been on the pod but that like those teams from the south being up there is quite nice for the for that difference but very much a northern affair was Criminese Monza Vito Monza stormed into a 3-0 lead here, just within like 10 minutes of the second half starting. And then it got a little bit ropey because Ciofani and Dessers scored for Cremonese and it was a, a rough ending. 
it could have uh, could have uh, gone wrongly for Monza, especially if Cremonese ended up getting a point. But uh, uh, Monza started off very well, especially with that three-goal lead, and uh, Di Gregorio had to make a couple of good saves. So there was one good save in the first half, and then towards the end, he really had to be alert to prevent that. Uh, chance to go in so yeah Monza a good win but uh, even Di Gregorio he showed his quality showed that you know he deserves to start ahead of Alessio Cranio and uh, for Cremonese it was obviously not enough as uh, they finally sacked their coach Alvini. I was quite pleased actually that Cremonese didn't complete the comeback because they took Charles Pickle off in the 72nd minute and if you're doing that I don't think you deserve to win Sorry, Amachi should be contractually obliged to play 95 minutes every single week. You don't take Charles Pickle off. And if you do take him off, you need to bring someone with an equally good name on. And that doesn't exist. I, th- I think he should be passed around the league. I think everyone should get to field Charles Pickle. If he joined, if he signed for Atalanta, I'd buy his shirt. Yeah, that's fair game. And, and I feel like Atalanta would at some point bring out a shirt that is... Sort of the color of a pickle for like a Christmas tree. No, no, he needs to go to Napoli for that. Green. Oh yeah, they're not allowed to do the green. No, but they. No, right. But... A, da- a dark one is no. Right, isn't it? Milan are wearing green this season. Like that rule oh, isn't yeah, real. They just said that it's not a real rule because the first year it's in existence, Milan bring out a green shirt. Haven't never wore a green shirt before. It's a farce. Maybe that was an exception for champions. <laughs> But then they're obviously rubbing it in because they wear it all the fucking time as well. And it's a rotten shirt. But anyway, the other game saw Udinese go 1-0 up. Beto put them 1-0 up against Bologna. Bologna came back through Sansone and Posh and got a win. Posh. That's a... It's not a good name. It's a weird name, isn't it? It's not in the pickle category. (laughs) No. Right? (laughs) Good. I like that bouncing back. You saying yes, you saying no. Nothing else from that. Fine. Let's... I don't even know. It's spelled. I can't even look um, it up and say something weird Like posh, but with a C between the S and the H. I thought so, but that just did not give me anything to do with the football. Stefan is his first (laughs) name, yeah. I'm guessing he's Austrian, is he? I don't know why I'm guessing that. I'm just trying to see if he's he's one of their... um... I know, he was playing for a different team. Can you stop doing this, like, <laughs> talking while well, you're you, typing? You, you asked for us to build further on Stefan Posh existing, so, given that I hadn't heard of him until you said it. <sighs> I'm sick of you. <laughs> well, don't bring Stefan Posh into the equation. Atalanta then. scored eight goals. <laughs> that's all I have to say. Um, I, I think that's all of the games, isn't it? No, you've missed one. Have I missed one? Have we done Atalanta yet? Yeah, one. Uh, if you're trying, if you're trying thing. to get me to talk about Inter Verona, it's not happening. Oh, okay, well there you go. That's easy. That's I easy mentioned miss, them though. briefly earlier. Um, after yeah, the Juve game. Up. No, I, after the Juve game, I mentioned them briefly <laughs> because look, I had to sit through them at the Miata the other night for that Parma game, and I've never. Oh, yeah, I've never been more annoyed in my life about a goal being scored against a team that I don't really care about than that Inter goal going in against Palma because it meant I had to sit in that fucking cold for another half hour at least. And it was it was so freezing. 
San Siro is at least five degrees lower than everywhere else in Milan as well. It was awful. Really awful. And Inter were rubbish and they didn't deserve to win. Parma weren't even good. But Inter didn't deserve to win. And I was annoyed. Goal on the derby in three weeks' time. Yeah, I'm not going to that. I'm just, <laughs> I'll let you know in advance. I'm just going to come home to Parma. <laughs> I'll do Monza, Cremonese and Sassuolo and then I'll leave you to go to Milan on your own I'm not joining you um, I think that is it isn't it do we have anything else to say before we wrap up on this I feel like there's something that we were supposed to say there's not is there oh oh um... <laughs> you said to me earlier today ask stop stop All right, that brings us to the end then, patrons um, and non-patrons. But if you are one of the non-patrons, we do have extra podcasts going out throughout the week. We'll have the Serie A preview pod coming on Friday. And then we will have the Serie A Femenile podcast as well. Bernsey and I will be sitting through to talk about all of that. And that was a, a good return as well. Roma scored seven. They won 7-1. 16-year-old Manuela Shavica, I'm still bust about this, by the way, scored a stoppage time equaliser against Juventus. So Roma pulled further clear. Oh, and the team Roma beat 7-1 were third before the weekend. It was Fiorentina. And Inter hammered Samp. Vito, I'm really sorry to tell you, but Samp's women's team started the season really well. And now they are by far the worst team in Italy. Like, I think they're going to get relegated too. Uh, it looks like they're copying the men's side. It's just a disastrous club. I've I've heard some things as well, by the way, about what what's been happening and around the place, and it, it doesn't bode well. But yeah, no. sorry, Vito. I am sorry, but it is very funny that Atalanta scored as many goals in one match as Sampa in eighteen. Like <laughs> that is ridiculous. Uh... All right, we'll leave it there. Total Italian football. Go over and find that on Patreon and get bonus podcasts and all of that stuff. Two euro a month is all you need. You can also sign up for five or ten if you're feeling generous. We'll speak to you again soon. Burnsy, 